Welcome to the Midman Podcast, a podcast focused on helping you level up your practice. I'm Jesse Arnoldson. And I'm Jay Holmes. Through interviews with some of the most successful leaders in the industry, we help uncover resources, tools, and ideas to help you level up. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's program. Hello, and welcome to the Medman Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Arnoldson. I'm joined by my partner in crime, Jay Holmes. Welcome back, Jay. Hey, man. Glad to be back on here with you. This is the highlight of my my week for sure. Awesome. Well, guys, we're we're going to be talking today about the decision making process inside of the practice setting. Jay, why is that something we think is important enough to end up on the podcast? Well, yeah, let's talk about that. This podcast is is supposed to be about those things that are important and relevant inside a clinic, and decision making is certainly one of those things. We do it all day, and if we can think about it as a process, we can improve and put effort into doing so it can have a significant impact. And it it has certainly, you know, from a personal perspective, it certainly has for me. Right. Why is it the skill of decision making isn't something that we spend a lot of time on, Jay? That isn't something that hits most managers radar at the top of their list, I guess. Totally. And, And I think that a lot of times what we do is just a defense mechanism is we try to push off the accountability or the responsibility or where that sits in decision-making. And we rationalize a lot. We say, hey, you know, it didn't work out because of all of these factors that didn't have to do with me. Mm -hmm. And doing so doesn't really allow you to learn. It doesn't really allow you to build the muscle to get better at it because you're always just pushing things away and saying, well, that's not, that was bad luck or it was this, this person's fault. Rather than taking that responsibility on saying, hey, wait a minute, maybe there was a flaw in how I, came about that decision. And if you change that mindset, all of a sudden you really can improve and and the outcomes should follow suit. I think you're right. I think it's very, I think for most of us, it's very subconscious. It's that defense mechanism that we don't even know is kicking in, but we're kind of wanting to protect ourselves from, I guess, taking on accountability for some of the decisions, right? And some of the decisions are big and scary. And that's, that's probably why, whether they go right or wrong, it's hard to be the one to rubber stamp your name on it. Totally. Well, good. We'll highlight a couple of the the most common errors or mistakes that we as practice managers commit when we're making decisions for our clinic. One of them, and let's just start with a quote here. Einstein said, if I had an hour to solve a problem and my life depended on the solution, I'd spend the first 55 minutes to determine the proper question to ask. And for once I knew that the proper question, I could solve that problem in less than five minutes. And I think that speaks to a major error that we make a lot is not asking the right questions. And sometimes we go into it thinking, and this leads into, you know, really trying to find the root of the problem that you're trying to make the decision Mm -hmm. on. And oftentimes I think we don't do a good enough job of identifying the one, two, three, or multiple real core issues that you need to make the decision on. And by doing so, it, it, it creates clarity. And oftentimes there's themes, and I guess that go back to it. There's really a lot of few themes that you make decisions on, but oftentimes we don't we don't come to that transparency of of really what those decisions are being made on. A lot of Jay in, in a lot of our leadership meetings, when we get to where we're trying to work through issues, we do our best to lay out, but to have somebody lay out this is the issue, and sometimes it feels a little forced or a little awkward to do that. But it's been one of the most helpful things for our decision making process. And I've noticed that when we don't do it, we, you know, we have one of our physicians who's really good at bringing us back and be like, hey, you know, we've been at this for five minutes talking about this. I don't think I'm clear on what the core problem is. Can we go back and define that? 
and most of the time he's right. You know, I'll, I'll say, well, this is what I think the issue is. And the doctor next to me or the nurse next to me is like, no, that's, that's not even close. <laughs> Jesse, that's why we're, why we're going in circles. This is good. You know, let's, let's get clear on the question or the issue at hand first before we jump into talking about it. Yeah. And it's a muscle that you need to build because it's not natural. You know, right. in the course of just the day to day, it's not natural to say, yeah, wh- what am I really trying to solve? You know, we know we have problems. We know we have things that we have to make decisions on. But when, when you really comes down to it, we don't normally come to, you know, a really crisp, this is it, help me solve this. And it's been really beneficial. Do we have other blind spots as practice managers or just as leaders in general for, for our decision making? Yeah. And if we had a couple hours, we could go through all of them. Right. That's right. for sure. Uh, but yeah, let's, <laughs> let's bring a couple, couple more, you know, just, just real quick being married to your own idea. Um, really mm-hmm. your, your first thought is the answer. There's something to say about your gut and your gut feeling, but not necessarily. Right. So you, you really have to come, you have to unattach from your own ideas yeah. and, and really try to accept and, and really hold other people's ideas. Before we move off of that one, can I double click on that? Just sure. personal experience. We did some personality profiling in our clinic. And in mine, it talks about how I have a tendency to be very passionate about whatever I'm arguing. And, and for the most part, I'll, I'll get people behind me, but that that can be used for good and bad. And, and quite often I'll argue to death over bad ideas. <laughs> and so I have to, I, you know, that's something that I've been personally working on is, I guess, divorcing myself from my own ideas a little bit and trying, you know, I still like to, to have passion about what I'm talking about, but trying to find ways to double check myself before I lead a whole bunch of people off the cliff. Totally. Yeah. The last one is just thinking about emotions, thinking about your, your state of mind. We don't take into account how we're feeling as much in decision-making and, and we really should. And this is really, you think about like a, a you know, a marksman and someone that's going to shoot something and there's a win, there's an adjustment of the site to account for all the external, the external variables. And that matters in decision-making because there are external and internal variables that are happening. And the more you're in tune with this idea that for me, just a personal example, let's just say that we have a meeting, someone comes in five minutes late. I've got this thing that I don't like people wasting my time or disrespecting my time. And that situation right there puts me on edge. And no doubt, whatever this person says or asks throughout the meeting, I'm going to have a pretty negative short reaction, you know? And so things get brought up and I need to make decisions throughout the meeting. Now I'm in this mindset of making decisions how I would not normally have made decisions. And so knowing that you can say, Hey, and this is really just dialogue in your brain. You're going to take that into account. You're like, yes, you know, I understand I'm in this mindset and I'm making, and this is where I think I should make the decision. But if you can, before actually verbalizing that, you can say, but I'm in this mindset. And if I, and in this mindset, it generally pushes me a little to the this way or that way in how I make a decision. So let me adjust for that and mm-hmm. come back. So I might say, yes, do that normally, but now I'm saying no, because this emotion's pushing me there. And so it's just a good exercise to do to just adjust and calibrate those decisions because the, all these variables impact you so much. And oftentimes it's an emotional reaction rather right. than, you know, a process driven one. Jay, help me and our, our listeners understand how we can avoid costly mistakes in the future. So there are decisions that can be unwound easily and there's those that can't. And mm-hmm. 
really what, what I'm talking about is that we need to know when to slow down and when we can speed up in our decision-making process, right? right? And so there's certain decisions that you can make, you know, in, in an instant, because those decisions can be unwound, they can be fixed, they can be changed relatively easy. And then there's other decisions. There's other decisions that cost a lot, or you know, and it's either money, time, or, or just emotions. Yeah, emotion, it's, yeah. And so you have to account for that. And so depending on that, you're saying, okay, am I the only person that needs to be involved in this? Or do I need to consult with a group? Or do I need to have a majority vote by a group? Or maybe I need 100% consensus by the entire group. Those are different pathways, depending on the severity of this decision you're going to make. So I think you've got to understand the impact of the decision and the costs associated with changing that decision to ultimately influence how you go about making that. And a quick story that there's a investment banking firm that, you know, and sometimes how, how they're structured is that you, you have these teams that come up with recommendations to invest money in certain businesses. Well, that can be pretty stressful if you're the team that made the wrong decision, right? right. So what they decided to do is say, you know, we're not going to put all that weight on one team. We're going to say the entire firm is going to come together and make these decisions together. And what that did is alleviate a lot of that stress because now it's not a, hey, this one team made the mistake. It's everyone has that same responsibility and accountability to ask the right questions, dig deeper, and then as a group, vote to say, should we move forward or not? And because it's relatively challenging to, um, you know, you can't just ask for your, your $50 million back. Right. After, it's you know, gone. three months into it, it's really gone. So those are one of those decisions that it's relatively challenging to reverse that decision. Another yeah. one is decision fatigue. And you have to know that every decision you make in the day, you become less effective at making the next one. Because again, decisions, it's an exercise of a muscle. and so. The important thing is that you set up a rhythm of trying to minimize the decisions you make. Steve Jobs, perfect example, right? He, he had his, what, his black turtleneck, his right, jeans, right. his new balance that he wore every single day. And he did yeah. so to preserve brain power because he knew that, you know what, if I waste, if I run out of this decision-making energy by the time I eat breakfast, because I had to decide what clothes I need to wear, you know, right. do I want this cereal or do I want to put like this on my toast or whatever it is that by the time you actually need to make a good decision, a big decision, you're exhausted. So mm -hmm. think through decision fatigue and try to automate as many decisions as you can to conserve that energy to when you really need it. One of the thoughts, Jay, I had on the, the first point that you made about whether decisions are easy or hard to unwind and that helping you determine the speed in which you're going to make that decision. I think that also frees you up to make some decisions faster, right? Like that, if it's going to be something that I can easily undo, or it's not going to be too costly of a mistake if it does go wrong, let's make the decision and move on, right? Like there's a little bit more freedom there, I would think. Totally. Yeah. And having that framework, you know, and I think that's certainly for a newer manager or in a, in a certain setting, having that framework is so powerful to give to say, look, this is your roadmap. Like, don't, don't feel bad mm -hmm. when or stress out about these things. Make those decisions and move on. But these things slow down, right? And I think yeah. that, that certainly releases some, some of the anxiety about decision-making. Good, good. Tell me, you know, maybe, I don't know if you can share some examples of some people that you've seen who just have learned the right way from their decisions. What are some examples of good learning from decision-making? I'm going to go back to kind of where I started with to really learn about your decisions, you have to think about decision-making as a process. Mm -hmm. And you have to understand that it's not about the outcomes. So 
those people that get you know better and better at decision making remove the outcome from it because you can make a great decision and have a poor outcome from factors that are not we're, we're not in the realm of possibly being known right that makes sense right so right so, and you can make very very bad decisions that work out really well and so if we just are outcome focused it doesn't do a good enough job of teaching us about the process. So it's really thinking about the process and, and trying to remove the outcomes and, and the things that mm-hmm. come up were, did you write, ask the right questions? Did you gather all the evidence? You know, and then sometimes the outcomes work out and sometimes they don't. But, you know, going back to, you could have a great outcome, but you didn't write ask all the right questions or you didn't, you weren't informed by all the parties. It just was right. lucky that things turned out the way they did. And how to do that, the people that are really good at decisions have invested time in, in keeping a journal, keeping a log. And going through and saying, hey, you know, these are the things that I put into making this decision. And it allows for reflection. And we all know that reflecting on processes and ideas is is really a magnificent way to learn. I think some of the people that I've seen, Jay, that right in line with what you're saying, the the, the people that I've seen that that best learn from their decision making and, and they they continue to tweak and hone in that skill are those that evaluate their decision before the outcome is known, right? And that way they don't, what, what is it called? Is it resulting bias? It resulting when, when the outcome is the only thing that, that matters in the whole decision-making process? Mm-hmm. And so these people that before the outcome is known, that's when they're judging their own decisions. And I agree with you. It allows you to really improve the process and not learn wrong lessons, right? I think I've told you the story of a friend I had in high school whose dad drove drunk home every weekend and did not crash, did not get a DUI, did not. And the lesson that he learned from never getting into a crash and never getting pulled over was that he was really good at driving drunk. (laughs) And that's obviously wrong, but that's the outcome. He paid attention to the outcome and that's the lesson that he learned. Right. And apply that back to what we do. We may just get lucky that we hired somebody good off of a really bad process. And then we keep applying that same process thinking that's what got us there in the first place. And it's not going to serve us well, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And then you fast forward with the next four bad hires and you think, oh, well, it's not my process. It's it's all these other factors. And, and bad yeah, luck and man. It, yeah, it gets in trouble. It's terrible. And who are all these people? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, it's you. Yeah. <laughs> <bad> process. <laughs> Jay, what do you do to improve your own decision-making skills? I, I'll give you one here. I really like this idea of asking better questions. Mm-hmm. And I think that over my life, tried to um, increase my, my memory, my ability to, to not necessarily memorize, but have these things on hand. What I've done is I've cre- I create, I have a list of questions that I really mm-hmm. like that I hear and I jot down. And I review them every once in a while, just so that they're fresh and I can say, hey, and you know, I, I did this when I was in college with names. I had a, you know, I said, okay, I'm horrible with names. So I, I yeah. started a list of everyone I met and I had four or 500 names on this list and I put little notes next to them. And I actually read the name and then visualized who they were and read the note. And pretty soon I had five, 600 names that I could see around campus that I, I knew. You knew. And, yeah. and it was a fast tracking, you know, I was probably like two months in of really doing it. And before, man, I'd, you know, have to ask someone's name 10 times and still get lucky the next time I, I yeah, saw them. Yeah. So anyways, really just pushing that to the questions because I really do think there's the right, a right question at the right time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it really depends on what circumstances. I'll give you a couple that, that are my favorite. MedMan is a values-based organization. And, and certainly, you know, I like to think that my life is too. But one that I ask a lot is how does this decision support my values? 
And I, I think that's a, a huge one to start because your values are your filter. And it's not just how does this decision, it's really how does this path, if I were to make this, thinking about the decision I'm going to make, how do each path influence my values? I like to think about the opportunity cost of going down a certain path. And really what that says is that you give up something by doing something else. Mm-hmm. And most of us can't fathom, and no one can, the realm of possibilities that you could do instead of something else, right? But right. I like to exercise that part of my brain because usually there's something better you can think of that would, would come out of it using resources. Right. And the back to the kind of the emotion pitfall is that what emotions am I feeling right now? What do I need to adjust for? How do I need to calibrate how I'm thinking because of this emotion? It could be because I have the greatest idea in the world. My idea is the best. Like that, that's an emotional attachment to that. And that certainly fits in there. And then, you know, of course, should I go fast or slow? Is this a path I can unwind easily or not? And those, I like those questions and there's certainly a ton more, but those are ones I ask myself a lot. Is there anywhere you would direct our listeners to more resources, either books or podcasts or anything that would help expand on this topic of, of decision-making? Well, Jesse, I think you know where this is going. You know, what, one of our favorite resources out there is yeah. um, podcast-wise, Shane Parrish is the Knowledge Project mm-hmm. and he's got a website with a ton of information that, focuses on mental models. It's called Farnham Street. I read his newsletter in church every Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Paying attention, but it's so, it's fascinating. <laughs> oh, it's powerful stuff. You know, yeah. and talks a lot about this and, and certainly a, a lot of learning of my own has come from those mm-hmm. resources. He's one of my favorites. Annie Duke, I think a couple of her concepts have come up in our conversation today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read her book this last year called Thinking in Bets. There's lots of different places for our listeners to go, but those are two good places to start. Jay, any parting insights or wisdom, anything left on the on the table that we haven't talked about that you think would be helpful for our listeners? Yeah, I'm going to end with one here. Another quote and, and then just something to, something to chew on. So F. Scott Fitzgerald, he said that a test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposed ideas in the mind at the same time and then still retain the ability to function. You think about that, and it kind of speaks to what we were talking about. Of you know, this is my idea. This is the best idea. Yeah. It is so powerful as an exercise to just stretch your brain a little bit to take your idea or you know your view and take someone else's and put them together as both equal realms of reality, and then live with that for a little bit. And that really allows you to you know when they say put yourself in their shoes, you have to do that in making decisions. It's so important. And if we can, if we can't look from a different perspective, we will get blindsided over and over and over again. So we have to detach and we have to say, hey, because I think this way, someone else thinks this way and someone else thinks a different way. How can I put them all in my head and say they're all valid? And if they all are all valid, that certainly makes your, your decision that much more effective. Awesome. Jay, thank you. Everybody, just to recap, if you're the leader in your practice or one of the leaders in your, in your medical practice, Decision-making isn't something that you can take for granted. It is a skill that is honed and, and improved upon or it's lost. And so you sitting as one of the people in the practice making decisions, that is probably one of the things that the doctors, the patients, your staff rely on you the most is to make good decisions. Make sure you're paying attention. Try out a few of the things that you learned from Jay and hopefully we can continue to improve on the healthcare delivery system from our own place. Thank you everybody for tuning in. For other episodes and show notes and other tools, everything else that MedMan does, please visit us at MedMan.com. Thanks for tuning in to the MedMan Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's featured guest. 
for the show notes, transcripts, resources, and everything else MedMan does to help you level up, be sure to visit us at medman.com. Thank you.